welcome to Trashy Trashy, where we take a dumpster dive on this week's Trashy's news stories and a look at all the garbage people. My name is Erica, and I am your host. My name is Cassandra, and I'm your other host. Excuse my noises. I'm licking my fingers right now. (laughs) I saw, before we get into why we're trash, I just want to read a tweet that I just read that is pure trash, and it made me very happy. From Ruth Buzzy. Someone asked me how much I usually spend on a bottle of wine, and I said, I don't know, half an hour. I love that. That's like something that my mom would repost on Facebook. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, why are you trash this week, Cassandra? Well, I'd like for you to go first because you brought up a wonderful idea. Rather than just why we're trash this week, you suggested that we should go on a trash tattoo tour of our bodies. <laughs> yes, Absolutely. Let's start with my first tattoo that I got when I was 20 years old. Okay. And what other than a teal cross with white shading on my hip. (laughs) My boyfriend at the time got his family's cattle brand tattooed on him in the same place. Ooh, sexy. <laughs> so we just had to lay next to each other and be like, ow, ow, ow. Okay, I uh, I see your hip tattoo and I match you my hip tattoo. I have a turtle that my grandma drew on a mug like a long time ago for my mom. And my mom was like, if I ever got a tattoo, it would want it to be this turtle and I want to get it on my hip. And so then I was like, okay, cool. And so I got my first tattoo when I was like 16. Like I got like a dumb heart on my ankle. My mom found out about it, wasn't mad. And she was like, okay, let's go get more. I was like, hell yeah. And so she was like, I'm not going to get this on my hip anymore, but I want this turtle. And so she got it on her shoulder and I got the turtle on my hip. And I have never heard quite, I don't, I don't hear positive reviews. (laughs) No, like. It looks fine. It looks exactly like the drawing. I think that the problem was is that my grandma is an artist. Uh, yes. <laughs> I've gotten many a confused man look at my hip tattoo and be like, Porque? What's going on here? I love it. All right. What else you got? I had my second tattoo was a ink, like brown tattoo with no outline on my wrist that I got while I was hammered on 6th Street in Austin, Texas, that says, Hallelujah. Oh, Erica, your tattoos are so religious. That one was the Leonard Cohen song, is what I kept trying to tell people in my Christian sorority, but pretty religious theme so far. Okay, I got a tattoo when I was like 18-ish or 19. Probably, no, I had to have been 18. Like, fresh 18. And I was like, so like... I was a major scene kid. My space was everything. So I have on my left foot, on the top of my foot, baby blue brass knuckles with two little hearts on them. It's like a cartoon brass knuckles. It is, it's, you know, I sh- I'm ashamed of myself. <laughs> this is a tattoo that like my friends like, One of my friends, Ashley, who you know, shout out to Ashley Snyder again. That's two weeks in a row. When someone, if people start making fun of her about something, she goes, um, well, have you seen Cass's foot? And deflects. And then I'm like, damn it. My next tattoo I got on Friday the 13th when they have $20 flash tattoo sales. Mm -hmm. And I got a 
cowboy boot on my wrist. Now, the original drawing had a bloody leg sticking out of the cowboy boot. (laughs) And I covered it up and I said, can we just do the bottom half? And the guy was like, are you sure? And I was like, I'm 100% positive (laughs) that my country as hell ass doesn't need a bloody leg sticking out of this boot tattoo. But he said that if I came back, he'd do it for free. I like that tattoo. Open invitation to come get a bloody leg anytime I want on my wrist. Yeah, that's one of my favorite tattoos that you have. It's one of my favorites. I'm country as hell. My other my other tattoo is, um, I mean, I have a lot of tattoos, but on my right arm, on the inner arm, I have the an outline of an olive because Erica and I were in Barcelona together and I was just munching olives, major olive head. And I felt, I was like, I got to get a tattoo. I want a tattoo while I'm here. And I was like, what do I get? And I got I got an olive. So it's, you know, like probably it's smaller than a credit card. That's probably one of my favorite tattoos. It's, I love it too. I was there. I was in the moment. I love it. It was fast too. It only took like, you know, like 30 minutes. I think you had to lend me some euros too, because I didn't have enough cash. Accurate. So you helped pay for this tattoo. <laughs> I got my eyebrows microbladed. Ooh, which is semi-permanent tattoo and it is faded, but I I have a face tat is what I like to tell people. That's hard as fuck. I have a lady on my leg. It's a pinup girl who's holding a a mirror. However, I chose a tattoo artist. Like I found this in like a calendar of like just like a pinup girl holding a mirror and I was like this is great. This is what I want on my calf. And then the the tattoo artist I chose because I was like, oh, his work is really good. And it was, but I was 18 or 19, didn't know what the fuck I was doing. He specializes in like gigantic, super realistic, like black and white pieces. Mm-hmm. So he saw this picture and was like, okay, cool. It's going to be this big. So it's like almost the entirety of my right calf, like wrapping around in my shin. And I was like, I don't know, that's pretty big. And he's like, well, this is how it's going to look best. And I was like, okay, well yeah, you're the expert. And then I was like, so then maybe what will go like her color, her dress will be this color. He's like, no, no, it's black and white. And I was like, oh, okay, cool, 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 cool. And so then he outlined the entire thing and then did her face and her collarbone and was like, cool, we'll do the rest in another session. Now I was 18, couldn't afford another session. And then as time went by, when I could afford another session, he doesn't work at the same tattoo shop anymore. And now he, in fact, he only works on celebrities. So I have a giant unfinished tattoo on my leg that everyone's like, is that Lucio Ball? Because the pinup girl looks like Lucio Ball and because he does very realistic work. And I have to go, no, no, it's a pinup girl with a mirror that's unfinished for 12 years of my life. (laughs) So at this point, I'm like, I'll probably get it covered because even if I do somehow get this guy to finish it, he's going to have to touch up the whole fucking thing. So it's pro- that's like one that I'm going to have to get covered someday. Sucks. So in Japan, tattoos are a big no-no. You're not allowed to enter certain bars if you have tattoos because they're reserved for the Yakuza. Mm. And so the last time I was in Japan... Me and my girlfriend found a tattoo shop and decided to get tattooed (laughs) in Japan, where, again, it's a big no-no. And so I have a crescent moon on my other wrist. And I I actually am proud of that tattoo. I really like it. I'm in the moon. 
Yeah. But I just think it's kind of tacky that I got tattooed where it's very foreboding. I think it's like badass and you could technically claim Yakuza. <laughs> yes. Yes. My Sterling, Oklahoma ask will claim the Yakuza. Uh, I have a few more, but I mean, they're all at this point. They just that's when they start to get kind of classy, you know? Okay. Mm-hmm. And so and we'll save that for when we do classy, classy podcast. Oh, yes. Our sister podcast that we're spinning off soon. Yeah, hosted by Cassandra Curry and Erica Cardenas. <laughs> Let's get into our first story this week from Slate.com. It's a Dear Prudence, their advice column. Help! My husband has been sexting his cousin. Ooh, question. I want to puke. I recently <laughs> That's found not a question. out. That's true. I recently found out that my husband has been sexting his cousin. I'm at a loss, just devastated. It's bad enough that he's sexting another woman, but it is with his first cousin and it has been going on for years. We've been married for 30 years and I feel as if with if it were with any other woman, I could deal. And my God, I wish it was someone else. I feel trapped, she says. I feel like I can't talk to anyone about this. All I can think is how disgusted and disappointed my children who are in their 20s and his family would be. We spend a lot of time together with his family and are very close. No pun intended. His sisters are like sisters to me. In fact, one of the sisters is best friends with the cousin. I can't think straight. Please help me help myself. Both have said it wasn't gone beyond texting, but from the messages I saw, I believe it would or could have. (sighs) What do you do? I mean, at that point, you're on the 710 to Pasadena, a la The Bachelor Zone. He's gone in my house. What? (laughs) The fuck did you just say? He's packing his bags and he's getting on the 710 to Pasadena. Meaning what? (laughs) He's out. He's out of the house. Is this a phrase or did you just make this up? It's a phrase from another podcast. How dare you? (laughs) Which podcast? The Bachelor Zone, our brothers. Oh, brothers. I understand now. That was confusing as fuck to me. Here's one of those things where it's like, if this was happening to me, I wouldn't think to uh, go dear Prudence with it. I would be trying to keep this on the DL. Well, Prudence says you can, you should talk to people about this. I mean, yeah. So here she says, there is no reason to keep this to yourself. You are devastated. You're right to be devastated. And you're going to need a great deal of support as you figure out your next move. So start thinking about at least one person you can share this with. You mentioned your fear for your ch- of your children and your husband's family's reaction. And while it makes sense that that would be your forefront of your mind, I don't think you need to worry about that just yet. Your kids can't be your primary support as you divorce your husband and neither can your in-laws. Start with a therapist. If you can get an appointment soon, and a friend or relative of whom you can share the first wave of your grief, anger, shock with. Don't worry about how you'll break the news to others. Cross that bridge when you get it. But the hardest step will be going from no one knows about this, but the three of us to it's out in the open. Once you've told one person, it will get, I won't say easier because this is not an easy situation, but it will feel less radical and disruptive to go from one to two and then four to five. And then then it felt to go from zero to one. Damn, that's good advice, Prudence. Damn, A, get a therapist to talk to about this. Your husband should get a therapist for 100% as well. Yeah, but I mean, she can't even worry about that. No, that's not of her concern anymore. Do you protect the? Do you protect your children from this and just be like, he was cheating on me? I don't know. And they go, with who? And you go, I don't know. 
Well, you're either lying to your kids or you're you're lying to everybody else. And I think it's best to let the husband tell the children who he was texting and sexting with. Dude, this is gross in my opinion. Have you ever had a hot cousin? Yeah, we all have. have we, everyone has a hot cousin, but you don't sext them. No, or, I'm the or hot even cousin. text them often. You're the hot cousin. I think I'm the hot cousin. Wow. <laughs> Look, I mean, I'm not. I'm one of the many hot cousins. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I got hot families. Yeah, but you know, we 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 share that with the world. You know, we don't keep it all to ourselves. That's true. Speaking of across the world, let's get into our next story from the UPI.com. Escaped kangaroo on the loose in Alabama town. A kangaroo is on the loose in an Alabama town after escaping from a handler while awaiting transport to Tennessee. Braxton Bassinger, a member of exotic animal transport crew that was taking the kangaroo named Jack, of course, to a buyer in Tennessee. Hey, Who's buying a kangaroo in Tennessee? The kangaroo was supposed to spend a couple days at a farm in Winfield, Alabama before the final leg of the trip, but the marsupial slipped out of the worker's grip and ran off. Was it you who said that kangaroos were hot? Yes. Famously, I think they're jacked. All right. Basinger said workers attempted three times to capture the kangaroo without success. So Tuesday morning, they were keeping an eye on the animal from a distance while waiting for a veterinarian to arrive on the scene and join their capture attempts. Basinger said the crew frequently transports exotic animals, but only has limited experience with kangaroos. Local resident Tiffany Perry captured the video of the kangaroo hopping loose Monday evening. She said she attempted to approach the animal, but it fled into some nearby woods. My question still stands. Why are you allowed to buy a kangaroo if you live in Tennessee? Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And you know Tiffany Perry couldn't wait to get that video onto the news. Yeah, she didn't call the police, animal control, anybody. She said, I'm going to be rich. I'm going to whip this out and get on TikTok is what I'm going to (laughs) do. Yeah, why are we allowed to have exotic animals? Like, their home is Australia. They're specially adapted to that environment. Hell, I don't even know if they should be in a lot of North American zoos. Why are they allowed to be in Alabama and Tennessee? I don't I don't know. I mean this is this has Tiger King written all over it and I'm mad. Oh shit. Don't bring up Tiger King to Cassandra. I just don't like him. You know who I do like? Your dad? I was gonna say the family in this next story, but Oh, okay. Cool. Well according to mirror.co, man I like realized my dad. <laughs> what? I like oh, my you- dad. You do like your dad though. Okay, okay. I, w- <laughs> I mean, I was just making sure. Uh <laughs> Man realizes dad in family WhatsApp group is a random stranger after six months. (laughs) This is amazing. Twitter user John O. Hopkins shared a story thread of how he mistakenly added a random stranger for his dad in the family WhatsApp group chat for six months and it quickly went viral. A man has left the internet in stitches after sharing a story of how a random stranger was added to his family WhatsApp group as dad by mistake and never corrected it in six months. Why? We're all in stitches? This sounds fucking crazy. (laughs) Well, he said that his dad would often call to ask about things that had already been discussed, saying, to which I'd say, dad, you're in the WhatsApp group. You're reading the messages. And he'd say, I am? And I just put it down for him being old. I mean, I would do that because like my mom sometimes just forgets shit. 
And then she's like, well, well, and then like giggles about it. And yeah. that's that's that. And I'm like, cool. <laughs> I, I do that at a young 30 something. Like I've already <laughs> have the memory of cellophane. I think that it's because, you know, once you realize what's worth remembering, then anything you forget is kind of like, well, not that important. I am in a, a fight with my boyfriend over which one of us had the idea for a screenplay. Uh Uh-oh. And I vividly remember pitching it to him and he vividly remembers pitching the idea to me. And then he asked me if he could write the screenplay without me getting offended. And I was like, but it's my idea. No, it's (laughs) so we're, we're in a deadlock and we don't know whose idea it is. Are you going to let him write it? Or are you just like, no, I'm never going to finish the damn thing, so I might as well let him write it. What's but important I want is that you're right. St- exactly. And I want story by credit. Totally. Is that too much to ask? Is that too much to ask Hollywood? When the group was created, he realized he'd added Peter, his dad's name, to the group rather than the person saved in his contact as dad. So he but knew Peter. He knows Peter. Yeah. Okay. That's good. How well does he know Peter? We don't know. Real well now. Turns out the man he had been dress- addressing as his dad for half a year was in fact a plumber named Peter who visited his flat to fix the washing machine in December of 2013. Holy fuck. This might have gone on for literal years if his sister hadn't asked if he could add their dad to the group chat. Oh my god. He wrote, I guess after a moment for a fake dad Peter to pipe up and let us know that we'd got the wrong Peter had passed so he just accepted his role as our new dad. It sadly ended all abruptly for Peter the plumber who after six months of loyalty was kicked out of the group in a panic when the mistake was realized. His once adopted son added, but now I feel bad for fake Peter, for fake dad Peter, and hope he enjoyed reading my mom's messages about how she thought Coldplay's album was called a cold, hard blow to the head. So he, I wonder if he, like, did he pipe in at all? Yeah. Did he ever respond? And was like, honey, like, what if Peter's like all old and sad and alone? And this was his family. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Have you ever been in a group chat or been kicked out of a group chat? Are you you asking if I've ever been in a group chat? Yeah. Do you have like running group chats? I do. I do. I've, I'm in quite a few group chats. Never been kicked out of one. Although I have left in a huff, and then they get they they add me back, and they're like, "Fuck you, bitch! You're not out that fast." <laughs> so well, I was in a group chat for my sister's wedding. Oh, uh huh. But there was obviously a second group chat happening that I was not a part of. <gasps> that were like her friends and me were in one chat and then her friends were in a secondary chat because I would pose a question to the group and one person would respond after quite some time as if a committee had decided uh, we speak for all of us. That's awkward. <laughs> Bitches. I was th- I was like, oh no, I'm on the out. I'm on the outside of the group chat. Oh no. My one my old agent one time sent a email to the head of that agency talking about another client and accidentally looped me in on that email. Oh, how'd that go? I didn't say anything. Like, it, no one ever res- replied to it, so obviously the mistake was realized, but I was kind of like, mm, just going to let that go, I guess. <laughs> Were they talking shit? 
No, they were like, see, I told you this girl was a class act. So it was like a nice email, but I was like, okay, I'm not supposed to be on here. <laughs> you know what else isn't supposed to be on your body? Yeah. According to HuffPost.com, New Zealand sentences cactus smuggler caught with 947 plants strapped to her body. It's a prickly situation. That's some goddamn good writing, Huffington Post. New Zealand authorities have sentenced a woman who tried in 2019 to smuggle nearly a thousand cacti and succulents into the country strapped to her body. The woman, Wen King Lee, 38, pleaded guilty to violating biosecurity laws after she was caught twice with plants and seeds at the Auckland International Airport when returning home to the city from China. New Zealand's Ministry for Primary Industries said in a statement on Wednesday. Uh, hold on. I'm getting confused with semantics. Was she going from China to New Zealand or Z- New Zealand to China? Like, was she, where's she smuggling shit from? I think she was going. Returning home to the city from China. Okay, so she's bringing plants from China to New Zealand. Got it. Mm-hmm. Important. She was sentenced to intensive supervision for 12 months and 100 hours of community work. On March 24th, 2019, Lee strapped stockings containing 947 succulents and cacti valued at over $10,000 to her body and attempted to bring them into the country. The cacti included eight endangered and threatened species. She tried to dispose of the items in the airport's toilets after attracting the attention of a detector dog. I'm sorry. I didn't realize that some dogs could sniff out cacti. Yeah, I thought they were like doing like bombs only and maybe some drugs. In a separate incident on July 23rd, 2019, Lee was found in possession of 142 seeds hidden in packaged iPad covers in her luggage. She was also carrying plant pots and ornaments, which were found to contain snail and pieces of a fern tree. They were wrapped in a moldy wet paper, also a potential source of disease. The This island nation, New Zealand, has some of the world's strictest biosecurity laws to protect its agriculture and biodiversity. This sentencing serves as a good reminder that anyone who smuggles plants or other endangered species into New Zealand can expect to be prosecuted, said Simon Anderson, the investigations manager for the MPI department's northern region. Mm, I mean, I guess... It makes sense. Like, it sounds silly, but you can't fuck around with that stuff. We've talked about invasive species before. And like, if if an environment's not set up for them, but also cacti. Ow. Like, those must hurt. They must have been like little babies or something. She said it was in a stocking. I'm just wondering where she hid them. I would love to get my hands on some pictures. How long is the flight from China to uh, uh, New Zealand? That's got to be like pretty long time to just have like full ass stockings taped to your body. Full of cacti. No, thank you. All right. Well, you know what else is pretty trashy? What's trashy? A bride's trashy wedding invite gets slammed. Okay, so I feel personally offended by this story. Okay. But, uh, you know, we'll get into it first. All right. According to news-mail.com slash AU. Is that Australia? Mm-hmm. The internet didn't see the funny side of the tradition, describing her sense of humor as rude and trashy. Reddit user Dimebag1976 <laughs> posted a photo of her RSVP card earlier this month describing the decision to choose far from fluffy words along with a photo of the offending card. My fiancé and I have decided to RSVP that our, well, 
less than traditional, she said. So on a normal uh, RSVP, you know, you get a yes, no, or maybe. This one had two options. It was absolutely or not a goddamn chance. But the cheeky language wasn't over yet. The card prompts guests to check the boxes, dumbass, in order for the bride and groom to know which events they will be attending, despite the fact that there weren't any boxes on the card, so that's dumb. The other unusual language included listing out the vow ceremony, wedding reception, after party, and cutting the cake as I do's, the eats, dope-ass concert, and the treats. I mean, I think people's wedding RSVP should say whatever the fuck they want. Okay. Bold. I mean, this isn't like a great look, you know? It's not like particularly creative, in my opinion. Right. It's a little aggressive. Right. It's just, it's not cheeky, you know? It's just kind of, it's crass to me. Crass. Crass is a good way to put it. Like, are you coming to my fucking wedding? Yeah. Now, the the I do's, the eats, the dope-ass concert, the treats... That's cheeky and cute. Yeah, I like that part. It's more the idea of like, oh, you know, like I actually like that's that's not a good weekend for me. So not a goddamn chance is like my only option. You know, it's like rather than I think it's like, yes, maybe and like regrets, you know, the Internet certainly had something to say. Uh, If you're not familiar with the world of wedding shaming, it's a pretty cutthroat trend with social media users quickly slamming the couple's different card. This just seems trashy, someone said. Cursing on an invitation isn't fun. It's rude and simple, another blasted. Even if you don't mean it to be. Come up with something more clever and personal and it'll be more memorable, one said. This is the, we're 30 years old and we aren't having a traditional wedding starter kit, someone else joked. Bet the wedding dress is purple and they've got a random guy giving tattoos at the reception, another scoffed. All right, now they're they're getting rude. (laughs) Now they're getting a little rude and... A, I would 100% get a a tattoo at a wedding. Would you really? I think so. If it was like a party favor, I think so. I guess. It depends on what it would be. Yeah. If it's like the couple's initials only, no thanks. (laughs) Hard pass. Some people thought it was hilarious, but then they said, then again, I wouldn't send it to my grandparents, but close friends would definitely get that one. Earlier this year, news.com.au wrote about the nasty trend of wedding shaming, which is akin to the real life mean girls where strangers all gather around to take pleasure in mocking weddings at any cost. Fair enough. I mean, the wedding business is is a gnarly business. I'm in several wedding shaming groups on Facebook. I was going to say, this sounds up... Erica Curry's alley. <laughs> yes. I enjoy a good old-fashioned shame. I enjoy a good old-fashioned wedding. And I'm all in. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not in any wedding groups, um, so I don't see the shaming. However, I am a living, breathing female or identify as female. And so, I mean, this shit just comes up and everybody's got an opinion about weddings, including me. Uh, I have opinions on stuff where I'm like, oh, that was a great wedding, except this, this, and this. Mm -hmm. You know? Um, Yeah. I turn into the fucking Duchess of Cornwall the minute I get to a wedding, and I shame everything I see. Great. I'll make sure that your invite gets lost in the mail whenever I get married. (laughs) Oh, I'm a a great wedding guest. I'm going to gas you up while I'm there. I love... I love going to weddings, (laughs) but I, I keep a register up top, and I clock... I clock different things for sure. You know what? You're at least you're being honest. 
Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I um, judge a little bit of everything, though. There you go. Speaking of weird judgment. Yeah. According to the DailyMail.co, I will never cancel Dr. Seuss. Fans drive prices of authors' books up by hundreds amid outrage over woke decision to pull six titles because of racist and insensitive imagery. Dr. Seuss Enterprises, the company that preserves and protects his legacy, announced early Tuesday that the six books would no longer be published. Almost immediately after the announcement, the prices of those books surged to hundreds of dollars on eBay. The six books that are not going to be printed anymore, just for anyone who's curious, is, and to think that I saw it on Mulberry Street, if I ran the zoo, Megalagot's Pool, On Beyond Zebra, Scrambled Egg Super, and The Cat's Quizzer. A vintage copy of If I Ran the Zoo was priced at $510 after receiving 54 bids, while a copy of Scrambled Egg Super was at $565 after 85 bids. After 58 bids. A copy of The Cat's Quizzer, which the seller marked as brand new, was going for $630 after receiving 48 bids. The move to cease publications of the books drew immediate reaction on social media from those who called it another example of cancel culture. Their anger was also directed at President Biden after he omitted Dr. Seuss from Read Across America Day. Okay, let me just, I'm sick of the fucking faux outrage about cancel culture. Mm-hmm. There's, name one person that's truly been canceled that's not in prison. Truly been canceled but not in prison. I mean... Louis C.K.? He still tours and he makes a shit ton of money. Oh, yeah, you're right. Um, Yeah, I guess I can't think of someone who just really has nothing. Yeah, I just, the, the Dr. Seuss Foundation said, hey, we don't want these racist images that weren't okay then and shouldn't be okay now to be a part of the legacy. We can reprint them someday without these images. It's not like there was a, a petition. It It's like, oh, just... Now, mm-hmm. could you... Well, I guess this is books. It's not like something else. But couldn't you just do like reprints and with like, you know, disclaimers like they're doing with certain television and movies? And that might be what they might do in the future. But they decided to stop the printing of those books for the time being. I just don't understand the logic and finding out that, like, I haven't heard of any of these Dr. Seuss books. It's not Uh, like they're, like, canceling Cat in the Hat and Green Eggs and Ham, you know? I'm familiar with and to think I saw it on Mulberry Street and If I Ran the Zoo, but the others, never heard of them. Erica, I think you're thinking of We Bought a Zoo starring Matt Damon. You know what? You're right. We Bought a Zoo. Which is... Very racist. I'm just kidding. I haven't seen it. Nobody did. I, I just kind of like, I don't. I don't understand the the thought process behind. Hey, we're gonna you know take these six books down for like a second. People going, what? Fuck you. I love Dr. Seuss. I love the one book I know. I'm gonna buy this. Five hundred dollars. Let me show you how much this is worth. How much these weird racist drawings are worth to me. Yeah, exactly. I just don't like Theodore Gissel, the Dr. Seuss, 
made a mistake. He was a man of his times, not an excuse, but he made several mistakes and his foundation is trying to correct that now. And so, so be it. His stepdaughter, Lark Gray Diamond Cates, came out Tuesday to say that he didn't have a racist bone in his body. He was so acutely aware of the world around him and cared so much. I think in this day and age, it's a wise decision. And I think that this is a world in, right now that's in pain. And we've got to be very gentle and thoughtful and kind with each other. So, I mean, like, you know what? They could have just done it and not told anybody. But then I guess it wouldn't be making the impact, but it also wouldn't be driving up, you know, like prices for like angry, like racists, <laughs> no, spending 600 bucks on a book. Yeah. You know, like Ben Shapiro, of course, had an opinion about it. And if like you're signed with Ben Shapiro on an issue, you're in the wrong. Oh, goodness. You know what else feels wrong? Oh, what? According to the New York Post, Elf Cosmetics and Chipotle have launched a spicy new collection and bowl. <laughs> Ooh. If your only reason to put on makeup and leave the house is to go get food, this collaboration is for you. Elf Cosmetics has teamed up with Chipotle for a product launch of both makeup and new burrito bowl that will make your eyes, lips, face, and taste buds happy, arguably. On the cosmetic side, the launch includes a four-piece exclusive set that is customizable as the Chipotle order with the eyeshadow palette, lip gloss, beauty blender, and cosmetic bag. To satisfy your actual hunger, the team at Chipotle will will debut their limited-time Eyes Chips Face Bowl, which is a vegan bowl with some spice complete with a side of chips. (laughs) I'm going to say that, like, honestly, like, Elf didn't need to do this. Elf didn't need to take themselves down to Chipotle's level. (laughs) Oh, see, I thought it was like Elf elevating themselves to Chipotle's level. No way. No way. Elf Cosmetics, look, they're not, they're not very, it's not very nice makeup, but you can go for basics there and they have good prices on like brushes and stuff that work just as good. So makeup artists respect Elf Cosmetics. No one respects Chipotle. <laughs> That's true. You know, like, well, do we all eat Chipotle? Of course we fucking do. But nobody likes it anymore. I mean, like, you you know what you're getting when you go to Chipotle. Going to Chipotle is like going to McDonald's. It's like, yeah, I'm fucking sick. Don't look at me. Don't look at me. I know I'm going to have diarrhea after this. I call this a cleanse. Let me have my Chipotle. Yeah, so like Elf Cosmetics, like you're good. You didn't need to do this. Like Chipotle, just because they come and knock on your door and text you, you up in the middle of the night. Elf, you didn't need to do it. Elf, know your worth. The makeup line is available for pre-order now and will be officially on sale March 10th or March 9th for Elf Beauty Squad loyalty members, of which there will be very few now because ew. The Chipotle Bowl will also be uploaded to the Chipotle app on March 10th and the featured section through March 17th. As an added perk, anyone who buys the Chipotle eyeshadow palette from the collection will receive a coupon for free trips and guac to use before April 15th. I'm looking at the Chipotle eyeshadow palette and it's li- <laughs> like it's literally every shade of diarrhea you could have if you eat at Chipotle. You know, that's your choice. It comes in. Oh, God. So many fucking ads. Uh, It comes in green, green, 
red or like a, a reddish brown for when blood enters. Then like four other browns. Lettuce, guac, corn salsa, white rice, and fajitas are some of the names for the shades within the palette. Oh, yeah. All I'm seeing is diarrhea. That's all I'm seeing. Like, this is go to the doctor today. This is keep an eye on it. This is go to the doctor tomorrow. That's what this all looks like to me. Uh, Do you like Chipotle? Am I am I just like... No, Chipotle's garbage. Okay, good. I, I, look, I eat it. I'll tell you, I eat it. Oh, I eat it. But I just, it's not great. No, this is this is bad. Oh, this is the their first launch. Following our first launch with Elf, which sold out in less than four minutes last spring, we've taken our collab to the next level with beauty products, celebrating our real ingredients in totally unexpected ways. Real in what way? Real in the way that they are matter? No. <laughs> you know, it's like anything is a real ingredient. Yeah, everything, like, I hate when people are like, I'm eating real food. And I'm like, everything's fucking chemicals. Yeah, and even if it's not, like, it's all still real food. Yeah, it's food. It's food. You're eating food. Unless you grew it yourself and then killed the animal yourself. That's still food. It's all food. It's all food. People just like to label things clean or don't get me started on food i love food though oh my god do i love food you know what else i loved oh tell me about it space jam yeah that was nice according to consequenceofsound.net erica's favorite website lola bunny gets a new look and will be less sexualized in space jam a new legacy It's important to reflect the authenticity of strong, capable female characters. Lola Bunny came up in a conversation I was having having with some friends on Zoom. And I think we were talking about cartoon characters that were hot. And I brought up Lola Bunny. And everyone was like, well, of course. Everyone in this chat, you know, would fuck Lola Bunny. And so we Googled her. And, like, it got brought up, I think, because someone was talking about, like, Miss Piggy and, like, you know, there's, like, Miss Piggy, like, weird porn uh-huh. Um, so we're like, we talked about all these other characters in Lola Bunny. You don't even need to type in Lola Bunny porn. Like you type in Lola Bunny, <laughs> you find it. Like in the image search, it gets, it gets sexy quick. Oh, she's a sex bot. Yeah. I mean, and she looks great. And her new look, she doesn't wear a crop top anymore. She still got that ass though. Oh, she got that ass for sure. Like, she still looks sexy. <laughs> but she doesn't look hypersexual. She looks Yeah, sh- no, she looks like a, a hot girl who plays basketball as opposed to, you know. Oh, I'm going to come up with a basketball. Oh. Yeah, she was like hypersexualized. And it was like, I was 10 and didn't get it at the time, but I wanted right. to look like Lola Bunny. Yeah, she still has those eyes, though. Oh, yeah, she's got those come fuck me eyes for sure. <laughs> but her mouth and face look more like bugs now. Good. They should and she bear- doesn't have as big of boobs. Yeah. And she's got like regular shorts on, not booty shorts. Yeah. She's wearing like sports gear. Like she's got some Under Armour stuff or like she got an injury on her arm. Yeah. We'll post a photo on our Trashy Trashy Instagram and on our new 
website. Oh my gosh. Yeah, we have a website now. Go to www.trashytrashypodcast.com and you'll see our website. Website. And we just want to give a huge thank you to Elise from Nashville for being our webmaster. And if you need a website, hit her up. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. It was so easy to do and such a pleasure to work with her. You know what wasn't very easy? Oh, what was that? The fucking Golden Globes. Oh, that was a technological nightmare. According to the LATimes.com, it appeared to be a moment of triumph in the long, tumultuous story of the Hollywood Hollywood Foreign Press Association. In November, a federal judge sided with the HFPA, the tiny 87-member group of international journalists that doled out the annual Golden Globe Awards in dismissing a potentially damaging antitrust lawsuit. The suit was filed three months earlier by a Norwegian entertainment journalist who had been denied membership in the group. It had drawn widespread attention in Hollywood, where the HFPA wields outsized power as the arbiter... Yeah. As the arbiter of one of of the entertainment industry. It's like funny to me because it's like that's the take you have to use, but I still sound like I don't know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Anyways, as the arbiter of one of the entertainment industry's most important, if often mocked, awards. And to the HFPA, it represented a direct threat to that power. In her suit, Kajersti Flaw accused the HFPA of institutionalizing a culture of corruption, claiming the tax-exempt organization operated as a kind of cartel, barring qualified applicants, including herself, and monetizing all-important press access while improperly subsidizing its members' income. I mean, we all know that the Hollywood Foreign Press is like a joke. Yeah. Have you ever seen their office right down the street from the Abbey? No. It's like a tiny little house. Oh, my God. In West Hollywood. Yeah, I mean, so the what's the what's the moral of this story? That they win again? They won, but after its nearly 80-decade history, the HFPA has weathered a string of embarrassing scandals, lawsuits, and often blistering criticism of its own membership. The group has been the butt of jokes even from the stage of its own awards show. The hosting in 2016, Ricky Gervais dismissed the Globes as worthless, calling the award a bit of metal that some nice old confused journalists wanted to give you in person so they could meet you and have a selfie with you. In 2014 interview, the actor Gary Oldman said the group was 90 nobodies having a wank and called for a boycott of the silly game their award represents. Did you watch this year's Golden Globes? I watched the second half of it. Okay, so you didn't catch the monologue. I missed the monologue. Yeah, it was weird. First of all, they did it in two different places. Like Amy and Tina weren't even together. And all they did was shit on it. And it's kind of like, at this point, with the amount that they allow themselves to get shit on, it almost feels like they're in on the joke, which doesn't make it fun anymore. It's kind of like, well, then what the fuck is wrong with you? Right. A hundred percent. You know, like when Ricky Gervais was doing it, it was kind of like, ha, 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 whatever. But we're all here and we're all just like dealing with it. But at this point, like, you know, it's 2021. You're being outed for the fact that you have no black members. You're being outed for the fact that like you don't let anyone in. It's 
common knowledge that you pay for awards because there's things, especially this year, that were nominated for Golden Globes that were completely ignored by the Emmys and Oscars. And conversely, things that were snubbed by the Golden Globes that should not have been. So it's very, like, everyone knows that you pay for those awards. You buy those awards, basically. So, and don't get me wrong, there's still great things that win Golden Globes. Like, uh, Jason Sudeikis won for Ted Lasso, and Ted Lasso's fucking awesome. So I'm not going to say that, like, you know, their Golden Globes don't go to good people because that happens all the time. But the point is, is that if you have Amy Poehler and Tina Fey shitting on your organization on stage when all of this stuff is coming out, it's kind of like, well, this doesn't really feel that fun anymore. This is kind of just like, you know your shit, but you don't. It's it's like Mark Zuckerberg making jokes about himself. It's like, fuck you. Yeah, fuck you. You brought down democracy. You dick. You dick. I'd like to add that while Gary Oldman said it's a 90 old dudes giving themselves a wank, four years later, after blasting the HFPA, Oldman thanked them when accepting his first ever globe for his turn as Winston Churchill in Darkest Hour. Of course, it's just a big circle jerk. Yeah, I mean, it's everybody wants to get an award. Everybody. And these guys want to meet celebrities. Oh, do that. Everybody wants an award. Everybody gets an award from the HFPA. Yeah, it's dumb. Are you ready? Oh, I'm ready. Are you ready? I'm ready. It's time for the dumpster fire of the week. Uh-oh. According to Vulture.com, and by the way, this is sent in by a listener, Mackenzie Horas. Horas? Horas. She is very funny comedian. Look up her TikTok. She is killing it consistently, creating content and making me laugh all day long. Everybody look her up. Yeah, Yeah, we love that. So if you listen to this podcast regularly, you have heard a few weeks ago that I recommended uh, of what I was hoarding was a podcast called Reply All on the Gimlet Network, or excuse me, not Reply All, it was a test kitchen. And it was about the Bon Appetit scandal with racism. There's been some problems. Yeah, shortly after the release of the second episode, Reply All seems to be going through a reckoning of its own. On Wednesday evening, Gimlet Managing Director Lydia Polgreen sent out an internal email announcing that Srithi Pinamanini the show's longtime senior reporter who was leading The Test Kitchen was stepping back from the minister- from the miniseries immediately while PJ Voigt, Reply All's founding co-host, had asked to take a leave of absence from the show as a whole. Vulture has since learned that Voigt's departure from the show will be permanent. I just started listening to Reply All, too. These developments come from a former staffer. And by the way, I don't mean to say that as if I'm bummed. I'm just like, that's just a matter of fact. These developments come from a former staffer, Eddie Eddings. Oh, Eric Eddings. I was like, what a weird name. Let me start over. (laughs) These developments come after a former staffer, Eric Eddings, published a Twitter thread accusing Pinamanini and and Voight specifically of contributing to a toxic dynamic at Gimlet that was near identical to the Bon Appetit culture depicted in the miniseries. 
The BA staffer stories deserve to be told, but to me, it's damaging to have that reporting and storytelling come from two people who have actively and aggressively worked against multiple efforts to diversify Gimlet staff and content. Wow. Damn. It's like, you know, don't throw stones. Yeah. From your kind of vibe or of, or, this is James Franco wearing a Time's Up pin. Yeah, 100%. The call is coming from inside the house. Ugh, yeah. So the thread went on to lay out a series of allegations against Pinamanini <laughs> and Voigt, depicting them as actively working. Oh, wait. Did you just say this? It's, it's similar. So I'll just skip similar. it. Okay. According to the eternal email... The test kitchen was originally meant to be Pinamanini's last story for Reply All before moving on to other projects of the company. It also noted that the company has plans to discuss what comes next for the miniseries. Reply All, one of Spotify's biggest podcasts, is expected to continue production. Spotify has yet to provide comment on the matter. The accusations pertain to a period that predates its acquisition of Gimlet and the subsequent changes in its instituted to the company, including the hiring of Polygreen, formerly the editor-in-chief of Huffington Post. However, on Wednesday night, Voigt tweeted out an apology with the announcement that he was temporarily stepping back from the show. I deeply failed as an ally during the unionization era at, Gl- at Gimlet. He wrote, I did not intend to stop unionization effort, and I'm very glad it succeeded. I'm not done working, but I don't think anyone needs me taking up space right now. Pinamini also posted an apology of our own. Here's the full text of the email from Paul Green. Hello, Gimlet. I want to begin by acknowledging the complicated and emotional nature of what has unfolded on social media and the conversations over the last 24 hours. I've had a direct discussion with those involved and many others of you whose feelings, the impact of this, and I plan to continue these in the days and weeks ahead. From the moment I arrived at Gimlet, it was clear that our culture needed work and that there were big things that needed to change to make this better, a more equitable place. We have spent a lot of time working to make those changes in partnership with many of you. These events are a reminder of how much work remains. PJ has asked to step down from his role of the show and take a leave of absence, and I have agreed. It was always intended that this miniseries was to be Shrethi's last story for Reply All before she moved on to other projects at Gimlet, but instead, she will be stepping back from the show immediately. The Reply All team and I will be discussing the plans for the test kitchen in the days ahead. Wow. I mean, like, sorry, I'm interrupting the email, but like, what do you like? You can't just like not acknowledge it. It's so crazy because it's like I listened to this first two episodes and the way that she was talking about it was like she would say things like if you weren't aware that this kind of thing was happening or it wasn't directly happening to you, then you might have been the person doing it. And she was kind of like saying this all from a point of like knowledge that she could relate and all these kinds of things to these people. And she interviewed so many people. But then she did say something weird in episode two where she kind of wanted to admit her own kind of like bias towards certain things. I don't know. I don't remember because it's been a few weeks. Like it's been a couple weeks since this came out now. But like... It's just like, what What are you going to do in episode three and be like, hey, I'm a new host and uh, let's carry on. It's like she did this. This is a lot of research that they've been doing. You yeah. Know? I'm sure that they have a layout and plans for the next two episodes, but this is still just like what it seems like this would just end like they just wouldn't. I don't know. But then you got to tell the stories. 
Uh, well, I think what you said resonated with me the most was like, if you don't see it happening, you might be a part of the problem. Uh-huh. And you have to like step back and take a self inventory and say, am I, am I, am I racist? Am I anti-racist or am I actively taking steps to dismantle white supremacy? Yeah. I mean, so it, it's hard to say what specific stuff i mean i well i mean you can find it on the twitter of like what specifically they were doing but like this is they must have been unaware or really just thought they could get away with it the fact that they agreed to take take this story on you know i i don't know but oh i sorry i don't i don't know but this is like really this crazy shit but i mean good on this person for coming out and Mm. saying like i just think it's ironic that this person is telling these people are telling the story when this you change bon appetit with gimlet and the story's about them yeah a hundred percent again the calls coming from inside the house i am a big fan of things i'm a fan of consequences mm-hmm. i also believe that people can change a hundred percent i'm not saying i'm not saying like you know like fuck everybody and like you know that people should get dragged for things that they're not like you know people can change people can apologize like and they can be meaningful and stuff but i just am saying that i like that the culture of people just being fucking nice and being forced to be nice at work and not like i I, i'm glad that the culture of being an asshole is the only way to be successful is like making its way more and more into our rearview mirror as a society yeah i agree I, I'm fortunate enough, like, I don't talk about my my work, but I work with really kind people that are really smart, and I like that. Well, well we will we'll let you know where this story goes. Yeah, we'll give you updates as the, as the story progresses. Are you hoarding anything this week, Erica? I am. I'm hoarding a show on Netflix Ooh. called Lupin. Okay. It is a French show. It's the retelling of the classic French story about Arsène Lupin, the world's famous gentleman, thief, and master of disguises. Wow. And honey, it is good. It is subtitled, but it has got the hottest actor. Sorry to objectify, (laughs) but it has a very handsome actor in the lead, and it's about a series of thieves and disguises and there's like an underlying story it's real good real good i love it and what are you hoarding Cass? i'm hoarding sending your friends gifts oh yeah i like it it's uh you know we're still in the pandemic and if you don't think so you better because we are and i've just kind of liked because things in the grand scheme of things should we be supporting apps like Amazon and and you know these shits like no no we shouldn't but it is fun to kind of just like you know once you get once you get a hold of someone's address just kind of send them a little random package I uh I uh, got a new job recently and so a friend of mine sent me a bottle of mescal via saucy and so I got a text message being like you have a, a gift and I was like fuck yes and uh, that same friend, she got two cats. She she adopted two cats from the shelter, like a uh, bonded pair. So I sent her a little like cat tube because cats love tubes. The point is, is that you can just 
surprise people with packages and because the world is crazy and technology is crazy and I it makes people happy in my experience. So I'm hoarding giving surprise gifts to people. Cassandra surprised me with a gift for Christmas and it was the nicest and coolest thing I've ever gotten. And I hand delivered that one, but yeah. <laughs> she hand delivered it. Mm-hmm. Masks. Masks on, but yes. Double mask. Are you throwing anything away? I am throwing away, and and this is controversial, I'm throwing away skincare culture. I You? I know. I have not one, but two mini fridges for my skincare game. That's Erica. an absurd amount of, of things that this culture has made me believe that I need to preserve a look or an image and remain youthful. And I, I'm not getting Botox because of the pandemic. And Ugh. so I'm working hard on my skin and it, it, this, this Korean skincare started me down this whole rabbit hole. And now I'm in, I've got my fingers in everything and you know, my dermatologist is in my speed dial and I'm just throwing it away. I'm tired. I don't like having a six step, nine step, 11 step skincare routine every night. Your skin looks great though. Thank you so much. I work so goddamn hard on that and I'm, <laughs> I'm tired. I bet you could get the same results with half the effort. I, I swear to God, uh, some people, just use olive oil on their skin and they look like a million bucks. You turned me on to the Dr. Jarts, uh, the green stuff. And I use that all the time. I have my boyfriend use that now. And lately I switched over to Darphine, which is a French skincare brand. But I, uh, I'm not very good at remembering to do my stuff every day. <laughs> I'm a slave to it. I'm sorry. I should not have used that term. I am bound to it. Yeah. Yeah, I got acne like crazy. Um, so maybe if I was better, I, I don't know. There's got to be a middle ground between the two of us, you know, of forgetting to do it pretty often to too many fridges. There's got to be a middle ground. Okay. What are you throwing away? <laughs> I'm throwing away, this is going to sound so lazy and annoying, but I have I have good reason. I'm throwing away apartment buildings that don't have elevators. Speak on that. I live in an apartment building that doesn't have an elevator and I'm on the third floor and it's, I'm fucking tired. And so I helped my roommate today move a dresser out of her room. And then we went to our friend's house, shout out to Ashley Snyder and, <laughs> and got a dresser from her that we had to move down her stairs, no elevator into the truck and then drove over here and then went back up three flights of fucking stairs. And like, I'm not like this. Well, there's three of us, but like my fingers are like numb. Like I was had our time like typing again today because like it's so fucking heavy. And when I moved in here, I spent over a, like almost no, I spent like a thousand dollars on the dot paying for movers because I was like, I'm not going to do it. But it's also sucks for them too because they're doing it in masks and it was like super hot that day it just what's the point you know they're spending all this money here to like redo all the concrete and and the outside and they gave everybody new locks and all this kind of stuff they're spending all this money but they want to just install a fucking elevator speak on it 
I'm sorry. Like, maybe it's not that easy to just put an elevator in, but you know what? Like, it's not impossible. Impossible. Not impossible. I agree. I'm sorry you're dealing with that. I mean, it's fine. I mean, I'm speaking, it's all laziness, but I'm still mad about it. Well, where can we find you? You can find me at Cass Cardenas on Instagram and Twitter, and you can find me every Tuesday night on the Nooner Podcast on the Smodcast Radio Network. Where do they find you? You can find me at www.trashytrashypodcast.com or at Iconic Erica Curry on Instagram and at Gilly Gal on Twitter. It's the same username that I've had since I started Twitter in 2008, and I doubt I'm going to change it. And uh, you can find this podcast at Trashy Trashy Pod on Instagram and on Twitter. Why aren't you going to change it? I'm curious. I just, I feel like I've got, I, I, I took my name off of my Twitter. I just put my first name and then I have a separate Twitter that's like business Twitter where my colleagues can follow me. Huh. So I've got two Twitter accounts. One that's Erica Curry professional person and then the other that's fun erica curry at gilly gal okay yeah fine we love you listeners we love you little trash cans you can uh visit our new website and tell us why you're trash there's a a gidget for that like a yeah like a a prompt box or something Mm -hmm. comes right to us and you can always email us at trashy trashy podcast at gmail.com hey cass what's going on girl stay garbage You stay garbage. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.